This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with the doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Atlanta. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. First of all, for those of you who can see me on our Facebook stream, I am wearing my Happy New Year hat for Happy 2021, so I want to wish you all a Happy New Year. And now that I have wished my last Happy New Year, I'm going to go ahead and take this hat off. I am so happy to be back with you all after we had a two-week hiatus. I hope you all had a wonderful and restful holiday season. And so this is our first show of uh, 2021. And we don't have a guest today because I am going to be talking about um, the COVID, like a COVID update and the um, vaccine and my experience with taking the vaccine. So let's get started. First thing we do, we always do our shout outs. So shout out to my number one fan. Hey, mom, hope you're having a great Thursday morning. Uh, Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Chesapeake, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Hobbs, New Mexico, Houston, Texas, Seattle, Washington, Hampton, Virginia, Woodbridge, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Charlotte, North Carolina, Gadsden, Alabama, Center, Alabama, Temecula, California, Opelika, Alabama, Cedar Bluff, Alabama, Lusby, Maryland, and College Park, Georgia. Wherever you are listening from, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. And um, please give us on our Facebook page, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, give us a shout out and let me know where you are listening and I will shout your city out on our next show. So now you can listen live to this show on WWE Real 1100 AM. We also stream over the internet at www.real1100.com and you can watch the live stream on our Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa Facebook page. We are also a part of the Old Fashioned Health Network and um, the live stream happens on the WWE Real 1100 AM Facebook page. Uh, So we also have a new YouTube channel. um, And so the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash medical minutes with Dr. Carissa. So you can find any old shows um, will be uploaded there going forward from today. So today's show um, is being recorded and will be uploaded uh, sometime this afternoon. 
Um, we also are on podcast platforms on iTunes, Google, and Captivate, uh, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. You can follow us on Facebook, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, on Instagram at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and on Twitter at Minutes Doctor. We have a new partnership to announce for 2021, uh, Freeman Moore Medical Consultants, which is a service that provides expert disability consultation in the Atlanta community, uh, and they can be found at www.freemanmoremedical.com, and we thank them for their partnership with our show. So now, now that we have gotten all of the official business out of the way, let's get into the meat of what we wanted to talk about today. So, um, so I wrote this show last week, so the numbers are a little bit off, um, but not by a whole lot. So as of uh, January 3rd, and just to give you a COVID-19 update, um, worldwide there were 85 million cases of COVID-19 uh, and 1.85 million deaths. And in the United States, there are um, 20 and a half million cases um, that have unfortunately resulted in about 350,000 deaths. Unfortunately, um, cases are uh, continuing to increase, um, but there is also a report of a new var variant, actually a few uh, variants. There is a South African variant and there's also a UK variant. Um, Though the UK one was the one that was identified um, and reported upon first. But let's go back a little bit um, because this is a whole year's worth of stuff that has happened with COVID-19. So COVID-19, uh, C-O-V-I-D, which stands for Coronavirus Disease, so C-O-Corona, VI virus D disease, um, was first discovered in Wuhan, China. Uh, back in actually in the late uh, 2018, excuse me, 2019, uh, and uh, then of course, you know, spread around the world. It is what we call in the medical community a novel virus, novel meaning new, um, and that means that it is new to the human immune system. Um, and so, you know, this is, this is a virus that no human immune system had seen before, um, which, uh, speaks to um, the virulence that it has had and, um, you know, the struggle that has been at least early on um, in, in dealing with this. It is thought to have spread from animal to human and very few viruses um, make that leap, um, but obviously some do. Uh, so um, just to give you a little fun fact that you'll need to hold on to for later in our talk, uh, COVID-19 is a coronavirus and what coronavirus, what that means, it's a family of viruses that are classified because of how they look. So when you look at this virus under a microscope, it has a lot of little projections on the surface of it that looks like a crown or a corona crown. So other uh, coronaviruses um, are um, the SARS virus um, that was out a few years ago and the MERS virus that was out a few years ago. Uh, coronavirus was first described in humans back in the 1960s. So coronavirus as it, in and of itself is not new, but this particular virus is. And so, um, you know, I explained to people that it is like having a last name. So let's say your last name is Jones and that is your family name. Well, you aren't the only Jones, right? Um, there will be several of you and each of you will have a unique first name. 
Um, and so that's how it works with viruses. So the coronavirus is the family name. Um, and then when we talk about the specifics of this particular one, we're talking about the actual specifically, the specific individual disease. So back in 2020, um, the virus quickly spread throughout Asia and Europe, bringing an astronomical amount of devastation in terms of illness, death, and near financial collapse um, as hospitals across the continent buckled under the burden of care. Um, we can remember our colleagues in Italy um, and the, the enormous struggle that they had where it got to the point where they were rationing ventilators and deciding, you know, making those kinds of, uh, of, of life-altering uh, decisions because there just were not enough resources to go around for the number of people who were severely ill. The first case in the United States um, were identified in Washington State in January of 2020. Um, if we remember the news, the first epicenter uh, of the outbreak in the U.S. was the Life Care Center in Kirkland, Washington, uh, where dozens of nursing home residents were infected and unfortunately several died. Uh, by March, the WHO, the World Health Organization, declared COVID-19 outbreak a pandemic, meaning that it had spread all over the world. In the weeks that followed, um, many establishments were closed, children started distance learning at home, and there was a resultant economic downturn, which um, we are still experiencing, unfortunately. By May, uh, many in the country wanted to breathe free. Uh, we were tired of being on lockdown and not being able to go and see and visit and do all the things that we do. Um, and so many states reopened and, and people began to gather. Uh, wearing a mask became a statement of public health versus personal freedom versus political affiliation, unfortunately. And misinformation spread just as quickly as the virus, uh, while science scrambled to make sense of what was happening. They scrambled to develop effective treatment regimens and, of course, the talk about a vaccine. So some of the first myths and misinformation about the virus, so I'm taking you all back a little bit, um, there was misinformation about who could and who couldn't get the virus. Um, so there was a thing that black people couldn't get the virus, which we now know that it's woefully untrue. Uh, and as a matter of fact, black people and people of color were disproportionately affected and more severely affected um, by this virus. We were told initially that only elderly people um, would be severely affected. And so if you were young and healthy, you might get it, but, you know, you wouldn't die. And of course, we have, uh, to our dismay, learned that that is not true um, because, you know, one of the conundrums of, of this pandemic is that, you know, and I say this as a practitioner, you know, I've seen young, healthy 30, 40 year old people die. And then I've seen 70, 80 year old people with chronic conditions, you know, live and be discharged from the hospital. And the medical community as of right now can't explain why that is happening. You know, so we can't make any rhyme or reason, um, you know, to who is going to be affected and to what degree um, they will be affected, which makes this, this virus all the more dangerous. 
we thought that only people with chronic diseases would be severely affected. And, you know, we have now come to learn that people who have no diseases at all, no past medical history, um, have been severely affected and have even died. Um, we have been told that young people would have mild disease. And we know that, unfortunately, there have been cases of children um, actually dying from COVID-19 complications. Uh, and then the one that was my favorite was if you could hold your breath, then that means that you didn't have it. So I, I don't know how, how that came uh, to be, but it was. As states reopened, um, we subsequently saw increases in new cases. So we would see these spikes, um, you know, 14 days after um, a major event. Um, we learned to our horror, at least to mine, um, you know, again, that there was no rhyme or reason to this disease. Uh, we learned that asymptomatic carriers could spread the disease without knowing that they were even positive, or that young, healthy individual, individuals were having very severe manifestations of the disease, including death, and that elderly, chronically ill patients were surviving. The news reported case after case of the devastation caused by just one gathering, just one outing, and you know you would see people on the news, um, their family members would be affected, and they would say, you know, all we wanted to do was just get together, which is you know a human thing is what we do, right? But um, unfortunately, this virus was 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 not. Uh, was ready for us to get together, you know, without masks and all of this kind of stuff and just wreak havoc. So medicine and science put forth recommendations about social distancing, so staying at least six feet apart uh, from people, uh, wearing a mask, uh, and about hand washing. But yet the virus has rampaged on plundering through community after community and family after family. When we get back, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to start to talk about the vaccine. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We'll be right back. Just for Pets Wellness Center reminds old-fashioned health listeners and pet owners to never leave pets unattended inside a parked vehicle, not even for a quick errand. Temperatures can rise to dangerous levels fast. Visit our website for more information at www.just4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. First Step Staffing is the largest nonprofit alternative staffing agency in the country. First Step prioritizes hiring men and women experiencing homelessness, veterans, and returning citizens. With support like job coaching and transportation, we help individuals reconnect and succeed in the workforce. With six locations around the country, 1,700 men and women are employed weekly. So if you are looking to hire or you know someone that is looking for work, visit FirstStepStaffing.com. And bits and pieces and magic from the hands of making weird science. 
Welcome back. This is Dr. Carissa Hines, and you are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We are talking about uh, coronavirus 19, um, about the virus itself, and uh, in this segment coming up, we're going to talk about the vaccine. So, you know, just in our last segment, just kind of did a, a a brief recap of, of what we all uh, went through um, with with the virus. Um and so I'll tell you, before I talk to you about the vaccine, I'll tell you one of the theories um, about why people were having such astronomical um, reactions to this vaccine. Um, and so that is called um, a cytokine release. So cytokines are mediators of inflammation. So I'll give you an example. Um, anytime you, like, let's say you twist your ankle, um, or let's say you get bitten by a mosquito bite. That's a better example. So you get bitten by a, mix, a mosquito bite, uh, by a mosquito rather, and what happens? So you'll have localized, so right at the area of the bite, you'll have swelling, redness, and maybe even pain, right? So that swell, all of that is mediated by your inflammatory response. So what cytokines are, are very, very powerful uh, inflammatory mediators inside our bodies. And so what the theory is, is that this virus triggers a massive cytokine release. So you have this astronomical inflammation response, right? And one of the things with inflammation comes swelling. So there's a fluid that comes with this. And so whenever you had this inside the lungs, you had a tremendous amount of fluid inside your lungs. Well, you know, I don't need to tell you and you didn't need to go to medical school to know that water or fluid does not belong inside your lungs. That makes it difficult for you to breathe. And so when you have um, so much fluid inside your lungs, it makes it difficult uh, for you to breathe and you have to be treated for this inflammatory process and basically then wait for the inflammatory process to, uh, to subside. And so, of course, you know, that created uh, dangerous situations for um, a lot of people particularly people that had um, lung issues um, that were already having breathing difficulties. Um, and so that was one of the thoughts um, as to why this was um, such an, a, a devastating um, disease from, uh, from a pulmonary standpoint. We also learned um, that this virus activated clotting mechanisms within our bodies. So clotting is a normal part of how we heal. So if you cut yourself, you, you know, there are cells that are responsible for clotting that come to that site of that cut and they kind of, um, they kind of wall off the cut so that you don't bleed to death. So that's a natural protective uh, mechanism. However, when that mechanism goes wrong, it can have clots in places that disrupt blood supply. And so you, we also saw with COVID, um, you know, all of the clotting mechanisms. So people were having strokes as a result of clots. People were having blood clots in their lungs. People were having heart attacks as a result of an interruption of the blood flow going to the heart muscle itself. 
And so, you know, that also created um, dangerous situations, clinical situations um, for patients um, that would get this. And again, um, you know, the scary part for me, and I will speak for many in the medical community, was that we didn't know who, you know, what would happen to who. So we couldn't tell you, you know, if you're young and healthy, you know, you don't have to worry about um, the blood clots, or if you're older than, you know, than you do. We, we couldn't make those recommendations, and, and to my understanding, we still can't um, make that kind of prediction. So the one glimmer of hope that we had was that a vaccine would be developed um, that would put our collective worlds back to normal, right? Uh, and so many, many pharmaceutical companies fervently began research and development of vaccine. And many countries, including the United States, bought millions of doses of vaccine in advance without even knowing if those vaccines would work or if they were safe. Um, so, you know, there was there was an order order of place for millions of doses. And, you know, we just waited for the research to to bear itself out, um, hoping that it actually would bear itself out and we would not have wasted, um, you know, millions of dollars uh, in buying these vaccines. And with luck, uh, on December 10th, 2020, Pfizer and BioNTech submitted the results of their clinical trials to the FDA in an application for EUA. So EUA stands for Emergency Use Authorization. And so what that says is that the clinical trial is not entirely completed but they have enough data and enough of a positive result that releasing this medicine out into the market would be of more benefit than harm at this point. Um, and usually, um, you know, an emergency use authorization um, most commonly comes from uh, like cancer drugs and, you know, those things that will be kind of like last ditch efforts that, you know, if people don't get this drug, they will die. But there's a chance that they could be saved if we, you know, let them have this medication. And so that's kind of that's one of the uh, situations where where vaccine or excuse me, where medication gets an EUA. And a company called Moderna followed submitting their documentation to the FDA uh, on December 17th, 2020. So within a week, we had uh, EUA um, for two vaccines. The development of this vaccine is nothing short of a medical triumph. Um, in history of vaccine development, no vaccine has been developed faster. Um, and so, you know, a lot of that created um, some unease amongst a lot of people, including me. Um, not that I didn't trust the science, um, but, you know, just knowing the history of vaccine development, usually vaccines or medicines in general take years to develop, years of clinical trials, and then they go through the process of submitting their um their data to the FDA and getting approved um, for use. So this one was developed within in, in less than a year, um, which is nothing short of, of amazing. So how do vaccines work just in general? So traditionally, vaccines work like this. So a weakened or inactivated virus so a weakened, so it'll be a live virus, but not as potent as the actual virus, 
or a dead virus or an inactivated virus um, is injected into the body and an immune response is triggered. After that, the immune system, because it is designed beautifully when it works as it's supposed to, remembers seeing this virus or bacteria. And if it comes in contact with that virus or bacteria again, will trigger an immune response to defeat the virus. And so, you know, and it will do that time and time and time again because your immune system remembers. So, um, you know, that's one of the things with, uh, with children, you know, when they get sick a lot, they are building those immune responses to the things that are very common amongst us. So you'll notice um, if your immune system is intact, meaning that you don't have any diseases of your immune system, you'll see that, you know, if you have children, um, that your kids maybe get sick a lot when they go back to school or when they start school, you know, they're always having a runny nose or a cough or cold or whatever. But then as they get older, that doesn't happen as much. And that is because that immune system has been built to recognize these, these, these foreign invader bacteria and viruses, and it takes care of it before you even get sick. So talking about this particular vaccine, so we have to go back to biology. And I know, don't freak out on me. Don't, don't tune me out. Don't, you know, don't turn the channel because um, I'm not going to, there's not going to be a quiz at the end of this, right? So um, just a little bit to talk about, um, about what makes us us, right? So we talk about um, these vaccines are RNA vaccines. And so what does that mean? So we'll go back first to DNA. So DNA is the molecule that carries genetic instructions for the development, functioning, growth, and reproduction of all organisms, right? So it is our blueprint, right? It is unique to individuals um, with the exception of the case of identical twins. So they have, because they are from the same egg and same sperm split, they have identical uh, DNA with very little variation. So remember, 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 DNA is the blueprint, right? So then we have RNA, which converts that genetic material in DNA and uses that info to build proteins. So proteins are the building blocks of basically everything that we are, right? So. Afterwards, in another part of the cell, these proteins are put together in very specific and specialized ways to build everything that our bodies are made of. So there is a code, if you will, or a blueprint, if you will, that determines what color eyes you will have, what color your skin will be, what color your hair will be, if you will be a boy, if you will be a girl. Um, and all of those things are put together to create a, a human. Right. So that's really, really fascinating. So the RNA is like the construction team. Right. So if you're building, building something, building a building, building a house. So you'll have the blueprint, which tells you where everything should go and how everything should be. But then you've got to have somebody to build off of those instructions. So that's DNA is the instruction and RNA is the builder. OK. So that's it in a nutshell. So you had a little biology lesson. Nobody, nobody freaked out. It was, it was easy. I hope that was, was simple, right? Uh, because that's what I want. I don't want to confuse anyone. 
So the COVID-19 vaccine, the vaccine is an mRNA or a messenger RNA. So that one's kind of like, like a postman, right? So it's delivering these messages to other types of RNA, which will then go forth in the protein synthesis parts of our metabolism and, and will we'll build. So it carries the instruction for our cells to make a piece of the spike protein. So remember back when I told you all about what coronavirus looks like under the microscope? Remember I talked to you about the corona, the crown that the virus wears, for lack of a better way of putting it? So those spikes are called, um, those little projections are called spike proteins. Okay, and so um, they're found on the surface of the Corona-19 virus. So the spike protein, the, the mRNA uh, vaccine um, has instructions of how to create this spike protein. And then from there, our bodies will take those instructions and produce that spike protein on some cells. Our bodies will then, our immune systems will then say, hmm, that's not supposed to be there. So I'm going to attack that. I'm gonna recognize it as an invader. It's not supposed to be in my body and I'm going to attack and defeat it. And so that is the basis of this being an RNA vaccine and how it works, right? So it is only giving us um, a part of the virus, so not the virus as a whole, right? And um, it also mimics what would naturally happen if we were exposed to the actual virus. So the virus comes in, our immune system recognizes the virus in part in, in whole. Um, and so in recognizing it in whole, it can recognize any part of, of the virus as well, and then mounts the response. So now, of course, um, with the vaccine, you don't want to have a, um, you don't want to give enough of a virus that causes uh, severe disease, right? You, you don't want to do that. But you just want to give just enough or, or show just enough of it where you can have an adequate immune response to protect the body, to protect us from the virus. So getting into, so I have a couple of, of questions here that people sent. And I thank you all so much for, um, I put out on, on, on Facebook, you know, who had questions about, um, about the vaccine. And so, you know, I was hoping that we would have time um, to get into that. Um, and so we'll do that and then we'll get into the actual data um, about these, these two studies. So a few questions. So is the vaccine made of full virus particles? No, only the spike protein, only the crown part is reproduced, not the full virus. So in the vaccine, you are not getting coronavirus, okay? Does the virus affect our DNA? So no, so as I explained to you all before, and this is why I took the time to do that, um, RNA, 
in biology and in this vaccine does not enter the place where DNA is stored. So it cannot become a part of our genetic code. Okay. Now, there are viruses that do that, and they are called reverse transcriptase viruses. And the most common one, or most commonly known one, is HIV. So HIV can go backwards, but most other viruses cannot. And coronavirus is one of the ones that cannot. So it cannot go from RNA to DNA. It only goes, goes forward. So our genetic code is not at all altered um, by receiving this vaccine. How is this vaccine better? Or how is any vaccine better? Um, there is little risk of causing illness because the fully formed virus is not administered. Um, so, you know, of course, we do watch for um, any signs of, of any types of infection. And um, we'll talk in, a, in another couple of questions. I think somebody asked me um, about getting sick after they get the, the vaccine. And I'll explain to you how that happens in just a minute. So um, Michael in Atlanta has asked, how long is the vaccine effective? And unfortunately, Michael, we don't know that as of yet, because as I mentioned, um, these vaccines were released under an EUA. So the studies are still ongoing. Um, you know, both Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech um, in, are in phase three of their clinical trials. Um, and so they are continuing on um, with, their, with their data gathering and reporting. Now, several people asked me this question. So Frank from Chesapeake, Cassandra from Richmond, and Georgia from Gaston asked uh, in, in various ways, uh, does the vaccine really keep me safe or do I still need to wear a mask? And the simple question is yes and yes. That's the, the simple answer. So immunity from a vaccine is not immediate. Okay, so getting to the point that I was making earlier about uh, people getting the vaccine and then saying that they got sick and they think that they got sick from the vaccine and that's not how it works. So typically you get a vaccine, it takes a couple of weeks in order for you to have a full immune response. So during that time, so it, most of what I read said about one week to three weeks. So let's just say three weeks, right? So during that three weeks, you still can get the vaccine, excuse me, get the virus and you still can get sick because your body hasn't had enough time to mount a full immune response to protect you. So because of that, you still need to wear your mask. But once your immune system is fully activated, you will have the protection of the vaccine. And that is true of any vaccine. So, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I got the flu. I got the flu vaccine and then I got the flu. Mm, no, the flu vaccine didn't cause the flu. Um, but what happened is while your body was trying to get its immune response together, you got exposed and got sick. OK, so that's how that works. So you got to give your body a good three weeks to get the immune system fully, fully activated. So it, during that time, it is still possible to contract the disease. So you definitely want to want to wear your mask. 
Another point about wearing your mask, even after you get both doses of the vaccine, is we don't know yet if people can still be, um, people can still transmit the vaccine, even though they themselves are protected by, by the vaccine. We don't know if they can still be what we call asymptomatic carriers and transmit the virus to other people. So until we answer that question, you definitely still, you know, we still are making the recommendation about wearing your mask and social distancing and, you know, good hand washing. Crystal in Atlanta has asked, um, how long does COVID live on surfaces? So from what we know, uh, COVID lives for hours to up to days, uh, depending upon the surface, the temperature that that surface is in, and its, its exposure to sunlight. Um, because some viruses, and it appears that coronavirus, will degrade in direct sunlight. Uh, Nicolette in Atlanta has asked, where are people getting exposed? So COVID is spread through respiratory droplets. So breathing, talking, coughing, sneezing, um, all of those are vectors for spreading um, these respiratory droplets that may contain uh, Corona-19. So any close proximity to an infected person or persons uh, in any setting can result in spread of the virus. Uh, you know, of course, what the recommendation is, of course, to avoid large gatherings of more than 10 people, which 10, that's not really a large gathering, um, but that's what they're saying to decrease the risk. Now, I am saying don't gather at all if you can, if you can all, at all help it. Um, and if you do gather, everybody should wear their mask at this point, um, because of course we haven't vaccinated everyone and we're gonna talk about talk about that too. Lima in Rockville, Maryland, Lima, excuse me, in Rockville, Maryland says, does the severity of the disease relate to antibody levels? So the antibody is the immune system's response. So that's what gets sent. They're like soldiers. So that's what gets sent to the front lines to battle this virus. Okay. Um, and so there's a study that was published back in November in Japan um, that does suggest that there is um, a pattern um, of what we call priming. So someone was exposed to a different type of coronavirus and that prompted an antibody response. And then they got exposed to COVID-19 virus and that full on activated the immune system and that antibody response. And so what they are saying is that people who can't mount that much of an antibody response um, may, may see, you know, more severe disease um, or in the opposite, more mild disease. But that is also um, a study that is ongoing. And so, you know, we'll, we'll wait to see. I'm, I'm interested to know um, what the results of that study will be once they once they are completely finished, because that's a very interesting uh, an interesting theory. Uh, antibodies in general can last for several months. Um, but as I said earlier, it takes about one to three weeks for a full antibody disc, um, antibody um, it response to happen uh, inside the body. So 
because of that, we talked. I talked uh, earlier about the different types of testing, right? So we have the rapid test, which is an antibody test, and then we have the, the, the regular test that takes three or four days, which is an antigen test. So the first one, the antigen test, is the easier one to explain. So the antigen test tests for the presence of the virus. So if it is negative, assuming that the test has been administered correctly, if it is negative, you don't have the virus. With the rapid test, however, you can have uh, false negatives because if you are within that three weeks and have been exposed, you have not mounted an antibody response that would give you a positive test, but you still have the virus. So that's how you can have um, those false positives. So the rapid test is not as reliable um, because, of course, unless you can pinpoint exactly when you were exposed, we can't tell when you should have mounted an antibody response. Right. So that was a few questions and I have um, a lot more questions and I'm going to answer those um, a little bit later. But in the time that we have left, I wanted to to get to the actual vaccines. Um, so there are two vaccines currently on the market, one uh, made by the collaboration of Pfizer and BioNTech and the second one by Moderna. Um, and so, you know, we've been following many con my, my conversations about COVID and the vaccine. Um, you know, I repeatedly said that I was hesitant to get it um, and that I would wait on the data. And so, you know, a lot of people are skeptical about vaccines, um, you know, for good reason. Right. So there is um, unfortunately a mistrust of the medical community and that is based upon historical um, atrocities I'll call it that um, you know most notable or what comes to people's mind a lot is the Tuskegee experiment um, and so for those that don't know uh, the Tuskegee experiment was one about syphilis and about the um, what they wanted to to study was what we call the late effects of syphilis um, so syphilis can be you know the first things that you see on the skin, but as the disease is allowed to prolong itself can have devastating effects on the body, particularly on the brain. And so, you know, that was the research question, like what is the long-term effect of syphilis? And unfortunately, um, with this with this experiment, um, the, the, the young men who were included in this um, were not told that this is what they would be participating in. And so many of them did not receive treatment. And so that just violates, uh, you know, so many, so many tenets of medicine, um, particularly ethics, um, because anytime you engage someone in an experiment or someone comes to you, they have a right to know um, what exactly you're going to do to them. Um, because um, and, and to be given the choice. Right. Um, so, you know, because a lot of them, I'm sure, you know, I don't know anybody that would say, yes, I have syphilis, but no, don't give me the medicine. Right. I, no one would do that. Um, and then, of course, there is the study of Henrietta Lacks, where um, her genes were taken and she is she is a medical marvel and a medical hero. And I, I encourage you to um, look up her story. But basically, her cells were taken and were used to develop all kinds of things, medicines and, and other technologies. And those cells were used without her permission, without her family's permission. Again, that's just wrong. Can't do that. Then, of course, there is the involvement of politics and money in this particular um, 
venture, right, with with getting the vaccine. Um, and so, you know, we all know about this current administration and, and how they were really, really pushing to have a vaccine done before Election Day and before this day and before that day and all of this other stuff. Uh, and we're really applying pressure. And my concern was that there would be those who would bow to that pressure and do things that were perhaps um, not as thorough as, as they should have been done. And so, you know, I'm happy to report that that my fear of that was was unfounded. And then, of course, there is the belief that vaccines just don't work. There there is a segment of of society um, that is anti-vaccine. Right. So, you know, those are reasons for people to be uh, skeptical. And then, of course, as I talked about, you know, the the um, misinformation and, and so on and so forth. So, like I said, for me, I was cautious um, about that, you know, more so about the the external uh, involvement of politics in medicine, um, which I just didn't think it had any place um, for it. So, you know, and, and that was founded, that was based upon something that was legit, right? Because we all remember, um, remember the drug hydroxychloroquine or trade name, the brand name is Plaquenil, and how everybody was recommending, not everybody, y'all know who it was, um, was recommending that we take Plaquenil, right? Well, Plaquenil is a very, very excellent drug, but it also has a very, very dangerous side effect of a um, cardiac arrhythmia that can cause death. So you can't just go out just giving that willy-nilly to just anybody, right? You have to be very, very cautious. And as a matter of fact, it is one of those drugs that only a few types of doctors can actually prescribe. So, you know, so so there was that. And that just kind of made me, um, you know, made me skeptical. But I'm happy to report that after um, reviewing the um, the briefing documentation that was submitted to the FDA by Pfizer-BioNTech and Moderna, um, that I was very, very pleased and encouraged with um, with the results. And I had my first dose of the vaccine on December 28th, and I have my second dose uh, coming up on January 18th. And so far, I have not had any any problems, no symptoms. You know, of course, I had some um, some soreness because it is what we call an intramuscular injection. So they inject it into the muscle in your shoulder, into your deltoid. And so that hurt for a couple of days. Um, not untypical, uh, or, or excuse me, not atypical of any any other type of shot that you would get in that fashion. Um, and so, you know, so it hurt for a couple of days. And then after that, I was back to, you know, back to 100% Carissa. Um, and so, and, and going forward, I've had no problems. And I also am participating in the V-Safe um, vaccine monitoring. So every day uh, the FDA sends me a little text asking me to go on to their system and tell them how I'm feeling. So I'm participating uh, in that way. So real quick, let's get to the data. So, you know, I'm almost out of time, but like I said, I am going to do a different segment because there were some other questions and I want to make sure that I answer all of them. But really quickly, let's talk about the uh, Pfizer-BioNTech um, vaccine, which is the one that I that I got. So it is two doses uh, set to be distributed 21 days or three weeks apart. Uh, it is recommended for ages 16 and older, although they did study uh, children ages 12 to 15, but they didn't have enough children in the study to make a conclusive recommendation for that age group. So, you know, that is ongoing as well. So that's why they have not made any recommendations for children uh, under the age of 16. Uh, the study is currently in a phase three trial. So the first phase uh, is the um, 
not experimental, but it is the actual development of the vaccine. And then they do animal trials uh, and then they do um, small groups of human trials. And then when you get to phase three, you're talking about larger numbers, so like tens of thousands of people. So this study um, was designed very, very well, I'll tell you. So it was what we call a randomized, double-blinded, placebo-controlled trial. So what does that mean? Uh, randomized means that if you take a group of people, you split them into two, you don't know who's going to get what. So these two groups were people that got placebo and people that got the, sorry, getting an amber alert there, um, people that got the the vaccine and people that got placebo. So they split them into the two groups. Randomized means that they just randomly divided these people into these two groups, right? So so nobody knew of the study participants. They did not know, did you get the vaccine? Did you get the placebo? Nobody knew. When they talk about double-blinded, so um, to blind means that you can't see, right? So a double-blind means that the participants didn't know which they got if they got the vaccine or they got the placebo, but also, sorry, sorry about that. Sorry, my video got interrupted. Okay, sorry, never mind. Um, but double blinded, so neither group knew who got what. So the scientists that were conducting the study did not know who got placebo, who got vaccine, and the participants didn't know if they got the placebo or they got the vaccine. And the reason for blinding is so that you don't have um, skewed results, right? Because all of us have an investment in this vaccine working. And so, you know, we didn't want people to falsely say that they were doing fine so that way the vaccine could be authorized right so if you don't know what you got you could be honest in your response right and then placebo control means that one group got the vaccine one group got placebo and again they didn't know no one knew who got what so this is the best type of of research model for development of a vaccine or a medication there okay it limits the bias uh, and it limits a false outcome so that that's great um, so in this particular study there were 43,252 um, participants that were split into two groups and 95% of those people um, completed the study meaning that they got both shots three weeks apart um, and so who was excluded? So if you currently had a COVID infection, um, people that were at the very highest risk, um, and of course, pregnant women um, were excluded, although there were some women who got pregnant during the course of the research study. But if you were pregnant at the outset, you didn't get to participate. Six countries participated in it, the United States, Argentina, Brazil, Germany, South Africa, and Turkey. Uh, so you had a wide range of people who were, um, who were included in the study. The most common side effects of the study were injection site pain, uh, 84%, um, fatigue, headache, muscle pain, which is like a generalized chills and joint pain. 
uh, the most serious side effects, there were four cases of Bell's palsy um, that happened, which uh, the frequency of that occurring was not more than what would occur naturally in the general population. So you can't make the conclusion that the vaccine caused a Bell's palsy. Um, there were six deaths in total, two in the vaccine group and four in the placebo group. And those deaths were in patients that had existing cardiac disease. Um, they were more than 55 years old and they died as a result of cardiac issues. Um, so they had like cardiac arrest and that kind of thing. So this was something that may have happened to them um, irrespective of their participation uh, in, 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 the, in the study. So again, the vaccine is an mRNA uh, vaccine uh, for the viral spike protein. It is composed of lipids, potassium, sodium, and sucrose. The potassium, sodium, and sucrose are used as preservatives. Um, it must be stored at very cold temperatures uh, from minus 112 degrees to minus 76 degrees Fahrenheit. After opening, it must be thawed and thawed. It must be used within six hours and kept at uh, 35 to 77 degrees. So how they did the study, again, they split it into two groups. One group was given the vaccine, one group was not. They were monitored for development of illness. They were also monitored for the development of antibodies um, or reported exposure. They were also tested um, again. Uh, and so for dose one, um, 50% of the people tested positive after receiving dose one that had gotten the vaccine and 275 people um, tested positive that did not get the vaccine. They got the placebo. Um, and what they turned out was that there was a 95% efficacy or effectiveness of this vaccine across all subgroups. And so who participated in this? Um, so 49.4% were female, 82% were white, about 10% were African-American, 4.4% were Asian, and less than 3% were of other racial groups of which that uh, less than 3%, 26% of those were Latino. Uh, and 21.4% uh, of participants were older than 65 uh, years of age. They also had comorbidities of obesity, diabetes, hypertension, and pulmonary disease. So they represented a spectrum of what you may see in society. Very, very good study, very good um, results, and I'm hopeful a great, great vaccine. I am out of time, but as I said, I'm going to pop back in and uh, talk a little bit more about this because I have a little bit more to share and we didn't get to talk about Moderna. And so um, thank you again for joining us this week. I'm going to do my vitamin C um, outside of studio as well. This is Dr. Carissa Hines. This is Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Thank you so much for sharing my most favorite hour of the week with me. I hope you all have a great week. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Thanks. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to another Old Fashioned Health Network show on The Real 1100.